Welcome to the Muckle Teal Football Show. My name is Miles, and we are going to look back today at the 2021 NFL Draft. Oh, the memories. Uh, no, we're going to review the 2021 NFL Draft and honestly focus mostly today on the quarterbacks and the impact that this draft will have on NFL history that I think will have uh, and kind of look at some other quarterback drafts as well. Um I'll have another episode up later this week where we will pivot to fantasy football and talk implications of the the wide variety of landing spots for running backs, receivers, tight ends, etc. So, uh, but let's talk this draft. And 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 I'm no college football expert. I'm not a scout. Um, Really, I just watch college football. I watch the big primetime games, so I won't sit here and pretend that I'm, I'm crunching the tape or anything like that, though anybody who tells you that, take that with a grain of salt, uh, because, um, you know, crunching, t- there's no answers. You can't fully get the answers while you are watching tape. You, you just, it, there isn't any calculus that you can do that just if you just work hard enough you'll know the future there's no don't anybody who's too confident is my point anyone who's too confident disregard that person anyway what i do know is this draft class i know the nfl and i know nfl history uh and this was such a fun draft it was an interesting draft it was a legendary draft uh largely due to the quarterbacks and and also i just don't think i've ever seen so much good drafting Teams are really figuring it out. A lot of the fans have had to beat this into them, but, you know, trade back, take the positions of value. You know, everyone besides the Las Vegas Raiders is getting it. They're, they're getting it. They're getting where the value is and, and maximizing that uh, and understanding what to do. Um, now, I, you know, I say that because, you know, I guess what I'm really saying there is that teams were doing kind of what the sports media and the fans expected. That's what I mean by good. Um, and that kind of, I mean, that kind of makes sense because this, this year we just have the least amount of information. And by we, the collective, we, the teams, the media, the fans, we all just don't have any real good information or anything really to base this draft off of. So it kind of aligned and that's why it appears to be good because the elephant in the room and, and honestly, something I just feel like people should have talked about more is that college football sucked last year. It sucked. It was a shit show. I mean, it sucked. Why aren't people talking about that? Some conferences played like less than half of their games. If not, if not a third of their games, the teams had different amounts of games they played. And then other conferences, they played football no matter what. No matter what. Your wide receivers are all, are all out because of a COVID case. Your whole defensive line is out because of a COVID case. Sorry about your bad luck. See you Saturday. And you're trying to evaluate through all this stuff, through this different games, or through these, these crazy COVID cases and half the team missing and stuff like that. It just isn't an easy evaluation ever. And this year wasn't even really real football. I mean, it just wasn't. Um, 
and I guess what I'm trying to say is that we're all aligned in our confusion and therefore it looked good. <laughs> it looked good to us because we all kind of agreed teams, media fans. We all agreed on what should happen. Um, so it was also nice to, to, uh, to kind of have the quarterbacks. I mean, it was a fun draft. Why? Because of the quarterbacks, five great quarterback prospects and, and, and just a combo of all the classics, you know, all the, the classic quarterbacks that come through over the years. We had it all here. We had, we had Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields, the elite of the elite going to these elite programs. And we could see them come in as early first round picks for a couple years, uh, you know, three years in Lawrence's case. Um, and we got Zach Wilson, we got Mac Jones, two good, you know, quarterbacks, good quality quarterbacks who take this giant leap in their in their final college year. Huge stats, huge success, and they're jumping up the boards, uh, uh, getting onto the eyes of NFL teams. Uh, you know, so there's that classic tale, boosted probably by the Joe Burrow experience, uh, and then Trey Lance. You know, the the classic inexperienced but tantalizingly talented prospect uh, from a lesser known school you know most years we're lucky to get one maybe two of these guys we got five this year from from the different walks of life but we got five uh, and that is really special and we knew this whole time basically well at, we confirmed it ever since the 49ers traded up to three that we were going to have quarterbacks go one, two, three, which you would think happens often, but it really doesn't. This is the third time. This is the third time it happened in 1971. It happened in 1999 and it happened this year in 2021. Um, and let, I want to look back. Uh, I want to look back at those two years, those two other years, um, because it's fun. Uh, 1971, uh, you all remember, you all remember 1971, oh, you know, the Beatles are broken up, but they're releasing solo records, uh, Nixon's running for, uh, re-election, right, uh, you know, at Watergate's later, so he's gonna, he's got a good re-election campaign, Vietnam's going, um, setting the scene. The Patriots, Saints, and Oilers had the first three picks, and they all went quarterback. Patriots went Jim Plunkett, Saints went Archie Manning, and the Oilers went Dan Pastorini. And how did it go? Not great. <laughs> Not great. And, and, and it really kind of reflects the, the, the NFL at that time versus this time. Now we have so much parody, so much free agency. You know, there's, there is genuine hope that the Jaguars, that the uh, Jets are going to turn it around because so many teams have turned it around this way. But there, there was no free agency back in the 70s. There wasn't really team. Teams were run really with various degrees of, of efficiency. And the good teams were good and the bad teams were bad. The Steelers, the Dolphins, the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Raiders, they were good teams. And the bad teams sucked all the time. And that's what happened to, to Jim Plunkett, Archie Manning, and Dan Pastorini. If you could sum it up, uh, you know, I looked up all this stuff and looked up about their careers. If I can sum it up in one sentence, it's poor offensive line play. 
because <laughs> they got killed. They got crushed. And although, you know, Pastorini and Archie Manning, they played all decade for their team, the Saints and the Oilers, and they actually did start to have some success. Archie Manning made back-to-back Pro Bowl 78-79. Pastorini uh, went to the AFC Championship in '79, handing off to Earl Campbell. But he was there. He was the uh, he was in the AFC Championship nine years after being drafted. Plunkett is the one who just he washed out. He just washed out of the NFL um, after getting beat up by the Patriots, traded for a king's ransom to the 49ers in the mid '70s, and then just being cut. Uh, and he went to go back up for the Raiders. The twist is. In the 80s, 1980, Pastorini goes to the Raiders. Plunkett is his backup. Pastorini breaks his leg. Plunkett leads them to a Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, wins four four playoff games in a row. And uh, and then he wins another Super Bowl as the backup quarterback coming in to start in 1983 for the Raiders. So Plunkett had the worst career by far of those three. However, he's got two Super Bowl rings in which he played and with a Super Bowl MVP in there as well. So their impact on NFL history is a little complicated. Uh, uh, 1971, one, two, threes. Um, it really, the, the person doing the hard NFL history work uh, was Archie Manning's wife giving birth and raising uh, Peyton and Eli Manning. So she's the real MVP of the 1971 draft class in terms of impact on NFL history. Um, I want to go to the other class here, 1999. This is the, so what was that, 28 years later? That's the next time that we have quarterbacks go one, two, three in the draft. This time it's Tim Couch to the Browns. Donovan McNabb to the Eagles and Achilles Smith uh, to the Bengals. And of course we know we got a, we have a, a sandwich here. McNabb's good. Other two bad. Um, Tim couch. I don't know what kind of prospect he would have been, but he was broken by a terrible franchise. The, the Browns franchise doesn't go back to the sixties. It starts in 1999 because the, the, the actual franchise that, that had Vinny Testaverde and Bernie Kosar and Jim Brown, they're in Baltimore. They're the Ravens. That's where that franchise is. So this new one, this 1999 Browns franchise, they didn't know what they were doing. They got Tim Couch. They killed Tim Couch. He just got hurt. He missed 21 games. He played five years, and he was out of the NFL. Achilles Smith, he shouldn't have been drafted at all. He shouldn't have been drafted at three. He was a a complete reach. He was this out-of-structure, improvisational quarterback who showed flash, and that was the hot thing. You know, because Brett Favre was the MVP, Steve Young was the MVP, uh, Randall Cunningham, you know, had had made a comeback with the Vikings in 98. So Achilles Smith, he was drafted for the wrong reason. The, the NFL didn't, or at least the Bengals, didn't understand the root of the success of Favre and, 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 uh, and Steve young, they just thought that a guy who could run around was, was would, could just be them, you know? So they didn't understand that Achilles Smith could not play NFL football. He was unable to, uh, so he shouldn't have been drafted third, but you know, the other guy, uh, Donovan McNabb did have a good career. He, uh, Andy Reed's Eagles played 11 years, 200 touchdowns, three NFC championships. He's in the hall of really good, the hall of really good, not the hall of fame, probably, um, 
pretty sure he won't get into the hall of fame, but he is in the hall of really good. Uh, so out of, out of this whole thing, the one, two, three club, uh, McNabb is the high bar. So Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, which one of them is going to go over Donovan McNabb and, and can one of them. And hopefully one of them is, does not go down below Achilles Smith, uh, or Jim Plunkett. If they have a Jim Plunkett slash Nick Foles type career, is that a success? You know, that, that you could consider that to be a success. So, um, Really interesting to look back at those, uh, and I just kind of wanted to 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 look at that. Um, if we're talking QB drafts, we might and we, and we are. Uh, we might as well talk about 1983 as well, because I just want to shout out the ESPN documentary about the 1983 draft. You've got to watch it. It's so good. It's so crazy how on a on a teeter-totter NFL history was like Joe Montana was almost traded. <laughs> like the, so many teams could have taken Dan Marino. They were so close to taking Dan Marino and this whole John Elway thing and the Jim Kelly stuff. And, and it, it's just so fascinating to me. Um, that was 83 has the six quarterbacks, six quarterbacks and three of them, hall of famers, Elway, Marino, Kelly, uh, and then three of them, not O'Brien Blankenship Eason. Um, but check out that documentary that I guess that was my shout out. Uh, the other quarterback class that we could mention here is 2004. You know, that was really just three good prospects, three good prospects, uh, rivers, Eli and Roethlisberger. And they just all hit usually only half of them hit in this case. It was a three out of three. They may all three be hall of famers, Eli rivers, big Ben. I know Roethlisberger will be Eli Manning is a, is a controversial one, but I think he will probably get in, especially because of the Super Bowls. And I, I'm a huge Philip Rivers. I, I, I believe he should be in. Um, I guess really, if we're talking quarterback drafts, there's only one other one to mention. It's 2018, 2018, only four drafts ago. I think, I think one of the great subplots of uh, this draft and, and the NFL in this decade in the 2020s is going to be the 2018 quarterback class versus the 2021 quarterback class, you know, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold versus Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, uh, Justin Fields and, and kind of see, you know, who has more of an imprint on NFL history. That's fun. That's fun. Uh, so pretty cool. So let's, let's, let's break down the 2021. Let's break down these five quarterbacks who were taken. Um, and I, I really want to start with Trevor Lawrence. And the reason why is because he went number one and I'm going to go in numerical order. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. There's not much to say. It's been kind of hard to talk about Trevor Lawrence this whole time. The content gods have not been kind to the 101 pick uh, this year um, because it's just been so obvious as Trevor Lawrence. You know, it's it's 2012 Andrew Luck, it's 1998 Peyton Manning, it's 1983 John Elway, 1965 Joe Namath. I don't know how far you want me to go back, but that is Trevor Lawrence's company, not just 101 quarterback, but. 101 quarterback that everyone saw coming for a long time. It's Hall of Fame or bust for Trevor Lawrence. That's tough. That is tough. 
I mean, honestly, Locke Manning, Elway, Namath, you know, that's Hall of Fame level play. You know, who knows what would have happened with Luck if he had uh, uh, continued playing. But it's Hall of Fame or bust for Trevor Lawrence. And now let's just sit back, crack open a beer and see if it happens. <laughs> that's fun. Um I've watched this guy play great football. We all have watched this guy play great football at Clemson. He's been part of the college football playoff for three years. So we've been watching that. Uh, so he's been on the big stage many times. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Urban Meyer, new coach in the NFL. What can he put around him? There's a germ of a good offensive line in Jacksonville. Uh, there's a lot of young talent coming up with a lot of draft capital. Um, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault. A lot of spark there. I'm excited about that. James Robinson is legit. Why did they also draft Trevor Etienne? I, I don't know, but you know, it can't hurt 17 game season. Now you're going to need two running backs. Um, you already needed two running backs. Now you really need two running backs because running backs don't play 16 games and they definitely don't play 17 games. So that's my defense of that pick real quick. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence, let's sit back and watch. Let's sit back and watch if he can match Peyton Manning and John Elway. <laughs> Let's see. Pretty fun. Uh, Jets go number two, Zach Wilson. I still don't get it. I, I don't understand how we slotted this guy into number two. Were we just tipped off? Was somebody in the media just got a leak in the jets organization and and it was so solid that nobody dared question it or they would look like an idiot because in a vacuum i'm really really trying to understand why a guy who had one elite season at byu and it's a covid season not a college football season but a covid season where just stuff was all over the place as i described earlier missing games limited practices, limited situations, complete uncertainty of schedule. Zach Wilson is a one-year wonder that year. I mean, it's bad enough to be a one-year wonder any other year, and he didn't play anybody good. BYU, I, I just, I guess it's just not obvious to me, but it has been presented as obvious, and I just don't get it. I, I don't fully understand it. I, I, I hope that he is good. Jets fans have suffered. They have suffered, and I want the Jets to be good, just as I want the Bears to be good, as we'll talk about later, because it's good for the NFL and, and fun to watch those franchises do good. But, you know, hey, good news for Jets fans. Adam Gase is not there. He's a terrible coach. He was too arrogant to move forward uh, and take criticism really he just he had to justify himself and blame his star players and and actually actively seems to have hurt his star players to make sure that he was getting less blame I, that's speculation but i'm pretty sure it's true so a lot of uncertainty what's happening in the jets at least they don't have adam gase <laughs> it's robert sala Offensive coordinator is Mike LaFleur, comes over from the 49ers. He was offensive coordinator of the 49ers, uh, brother of Matt LaFleur. You know, how much Kyle Shanahan does Mike LaFleur have in him? How much is there? Because there, there is some hope for the team. Similar to Jacksonville, there's some spark uh, in the uh, receiving core. Uh, Denzel Mims uh, looked legit. Uh, they took Elijah Moore 
really great uh, pick, I thought, in the second round, second pick of the second round. Uh, and then they got a they got a little bit more of a germ of an offensive line. Mackay Becton was the right pick. He he really showed uh, um, good tackle play last year, so he he appears to have been a hit last in the in the twenty twenty draft. Uh, and then they moved up to get this this really high prospect guard. So they're they're putting something together here. Um, but man, does Zach Wilson make me nervous? Man, does he make me nervous? Jets fans, I love you. I'm rooting for you. I want the Jets to be good. I miss. Well, I was never alive when the Jets were actually in, in a Super Bowl or anything like that. But I think it would be cool. But I am really nervous about it. And if I was a betting man, this is why I said the nice things. If I was a betting man, I would say the Jets did not make the right pick. That is my official analysis. Uh, San Francisco, pick three, Trey Lance. After all of this, Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields, that was the media conversation for basically all of April. Um, the Trey Lance thing did take an uptick in the last four or five days before the draft. Um you know, so you could kind of tell, I mean, smart money was on Trey Lance as you saw that his name popped up and up and up and up and up as we started to get closer to the draft. Um, Lance, he physically looks like Pat Mahomes, bigger guy, got the same hair, a little bit of the same style. Uh, I'm sure that's not why they drafted him, but it can't hurt. Uh, <laughs> he looks a little bit more bigger, more athletic. Um, he hasn't played that much football. It's almost comical how little football he has played um but maybe that's a selling point for kyle shanahan you know it's like the combo of all these skills and 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 talent and and he's clearly a very smart guy um you, know, you just listen to him talk i i'm a huge i'm a i'm a seahawks fan so i'm not going to root for trey lance but i am a trey lance personal fan he seems like a really smart guy so so we got that we got we got he he seems intelligent he has the skills and he's got no bad habits and is that the selling point for kyle shanahan um because not every qb has reached their peak in college right and this is a chance for kyle shanahan to get in earlier than he would have you know in in other cases so um yeah, it wasn't Mac Jones. That that's the key, and that I think everyone in San Francisco is like, "Oh, thank God!" Uh, the Mac Jones narrative. I will never believe that they were going to pick him. I will never believe that they did not trade two first round picks and not know who they were taking. They didn't. They didn't do that. <laughs> I, I refuse to believe that they gave up two first round picks and said, "Yeah, whichever one." No, they absolutely did this for Trey Lance from the beginning and, and good point. Now you look back at the timeline, they did it directly after Trey Lance's pro day. I mean, just, they saw the pro day. They made the trade. You look back on it now. Seems pretty obvious. That said, I still would have taken fields, but Hey, I have more to say on Trey Lance. Actually, people who say that he should sit, Oh, this, this is perfect. We should have seen it. We should have seen it. Trey Lance will sit for a year behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Now we know why they kept Jimmy Garoppolo because they need Trey Lance to sit and learn because he's the least polished of them. I completely disagree with that narrative. Trey Lance didn't play football this year. And he barely played football last year. We're going to go another year without him playing football. 
And practice is not a game. Are you telling me that Jimmy Garoppolo plays this whole season? Trey Lance is going to start the 2022 season opener and he hasn't played football in three years. He's going to start the 2022 season opener having not taken a snap. Well, I guess he played one game. He played one game, but he played one game in three years. No, you got to get that guy on the field. You got to get him reps. I disagree with the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. Um, the other part of this is that Trey Lance steps into possibly the best situation in history. Definitely better than Jim Plunkett, Archie Manning, Dan Pastorini. Definitely better than Tim Couch and Achilles Smiths. Arguable, maybe Donovan McNabb kind of has a similar, similar thing, but this is a really good position to step into considering you're in the top three. <laughs> picks in the NFL draft. Um, the 49ers were in the Super Bowl 20 months ago. So it is quite interesting to me. It kind of reminds me of uh, Ezekiel Elliott going early uh, uh, to the Cowboys in 2016 to that el- just amazingly talented Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick offensive line that that uh, the Cowboys had at that point. So a good situation is great. You know, and another way I know that this is a good situation and a good organization is because nobody knew who they were picking. <laughs> there was no leaks. Good leadership. <laughs> Just saying. I know that's that's weird, but I really say that. Um Jimmy Garoppolo's out, man. He is so out. I <laughs> We we always go through this rigmarole. My favorite part was when Kyle Shanahan said, um, Somebody asked, can you guarantee Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the roster Sunday? And Kyle Shanahan said, uh, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. That's how he answered that. <laughs> See, that's great. <laughs> I love that. He can't, Technically, he cannot guarantee that the earth will be here on Sunday. I'd love to. I'd love to guarantee that to you, Mr. Reporter, but I can't. I can't, I don't have control. Who knows what happens to the solar system in that time? I just can't guarantee. It's like, couldn't the reporter have followed up? Okay. Let me set some parameters for you there, Kyle. Uh, assuming that all parties in the draft and team are alive and the earth is intact. Do you, can you answer my question now? <laughs> I just, it was a great, uh, that's a great answer from Kyle Shanahan. I am a Seahawks fan. I'm not supposed to like the 49ers, but eh, whatever. Uh, I've always been a Kyle Shanahan rooter. Uh, so now let's get to Justin Fields. We skip over a bunch of picks. I am going to circle back to those picks in a moment, but I'm going through the quarterbacks. Pick 11, Justin Fields. The Giants are on the clock, and you just see that. And you see the Bears logo. Oh, man. I was pumped. It was so exciting. It was the highlight of the draft for me. And, you know, it's funny because it wouldn't have happened if not for the first, the the two picks before, I guess, three picks before it. It was Carolina taking J.C. Horn and then Denver taking Patrick Sertan so that the Cowboys are like, oh, shit, because they clearly wanted a corner. Everyone knew they wanted a corner. So they were willing to trade back to the Eagles, who grabbed Devonta Smith. And then at that point, the Giants, who clearly wanted Devonta Smith, they go, oh, shit. So now they're willing to trade back. Dave Gettleman, in the first time in his whole career as a GM, 
all his eight years with the Panthers and then with the with the Giants, trades back for the first time ever. And it comes from those two corners, the Devonta Smith pick, and he's like, I got nobody, so he's willing to trade back, and that's how the Bears come up. The Bears had no business getting one of these five quarterbacks, at least according to the mock drafts and sports media, you know, beforehand. It was so exciting. And at first I was really worried they were going to take Mac Jones. Not that I have anything truly against Mac Jones, but I was a little worried about that. Um, and and they they get it. Chicago is thrilled. Nobody mocked this, but they are thrilled. They changed their franchise today and or Thursday. And that is awesome. Justin Fields is the highest upside Bears quarterback that they have taken in a long time. And that includes Mitch Trubisky. Remember, nobody was like, that was the right pick. Everyone's like, you idiots. Right after the draft, everyone was like, they shouldn't have taken Mitch Trubisky. That was a mistake. He didn't need to be there. That we Sometimes we look back and we, we paint things with hindsight. No, that was at the time. The Bears were rightly mocked for drafting Mitchell Trubisky. We all know that. We all remember that. This is different. This is something really cool. They learned from it. They got a redo. Somebody check on Allen Robinson. It's a great, great time for him. He's probably had a great weekend. He didn't want that franchise tag, but now he's got his best quarterback ever. Um, and yeah, people, I'm sure people are going to say, you know, boy, you seem high on, on, uh, Justin Fields. And yes, I am high on Justin Fields, uh, and just to anticipate some of the criticism. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Oh, but, um, you know, nobody at Ohio state ever does anything, you know, that there is, that's true. That's true. The Ohio state quarterbacks have limited to no success in the NFL. Dwayne Haskins is the latest example. JT Barrett. Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, Troy Smith, you know, this perennially Heisman candidate, Ohio state quarterback who, who comes in and then can't do anything in the NFL. I mean, Cardale Jones was third string, uh, and he did fine in Ohio state. So he's like the system, right? you got, this is, they're not, it's not going to translate to the NFL. Similar to what Alabama was before Tua and Mac Jones, and honestly could still be still time for Mac Jones and Tua to completely wash out. Um, when you have this super highly recruited roster, you have these elite weapons and great recruiting, you know, and you're just this college powerhouse, your offense is designed not to showcase NFL talent, but to maximize your advantage, to maximize your advantage. You, you don't have to do the equal play thing. You know, your guys are, are op- so open that you can't even get good stuff on tape. Sometimes you're, you're not making multiple reads because your Heisman candidate wide receivers have roasted the, <laughs> their guys and you throw it to them. So it's hard to evaluate. That's what we're sensing. It's hard to evaluate. Fields to me is different. He he he's different than all those guys: Haskins, Barrett, Miller, Pryor, Smith. First, the NFL totally understood that Ohio State quarterbacks were likely to suck because we may re- remember it differently, but none of them were first round picks. JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, Troy Smith, who literally won the Heisman, they were not first round picks. They were day two picks or day three picks. Fields is the only one besides Dwayne Haskins. And even Dwayne Haskins, he was a mid first rounder, 
was pick 17, right? And it was widely reported that it was a pick against the advice of the football people and was made by owner Daniel Snyder. So the NFL has agreed that Justin Fields, this is the first time the NFL has ever really agreed that Ohio State quarterback firmly belongs in the first round. That's the first major difference that that you need to calibrate for if you're just going to say Ohio State quarterbacks suck in the NFL. Um, second is progressions, 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 progressions. You know, that, that's the big knock on him. Oh, he's too, 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 uh, doesn't do it. He's too slow. Maybe he is too slow reading progressions, or maybe the offense was just built that way, but I don't put any stock on that. I, he's demonstrated he can play elite football. I mean, he played against Clemson. He threw six touchdowns. You watched it. You watched it on TV like three months ago. Like there's no system that did that. Otherwise you should get that system. And a lot of those throws were so good. And a lot of those decisions were so good. And, uh, you know, it's, I think this is a lesson I learned from Justin Herbert last year is just people saying that progressions or the guy or quarterback doesn't see the field or he doesn't make quick decisions or he gets rattled or he gets, he's uncertain. Do you know what? They don't know that. Like as long as a quarterback isn't actively unable to complete passes and can't succeed, if you're trying to split hairs between successful elite college football quarterbacks, how they'll translate in the NFL, you really don't know how the play was designed, what the, what the mistakes were, what the defense was. You don't really know what it was supposed to be. You can watch it all you want, but you don't know what exactly what it was supposed to be. And you can't tell rattled. You can't tell quick decisions if you don't know that information. So I've just really kind of taken to to taking that with a great grain of salt. Gets rattled. Can't do it. Because you heard that about Justin Herbert all the way. Really, they didn't like this guy. So they just said those things, hoping that they were true. They weren't. They were not true. Uh, so that's tough. That is tough to, to uh, evaluate. I'm not saying that I know for sure, but I'm also saying that anyone who's told you for sure that he can't go through his progressions or that he sees the field too slow doesn't actually know that. Uh, third, just the zoom, the zoom out, everybody zoom out. I'm not an expert, but I do think we got a little bit of tunnel vision and recency bias going here with, with Justin Fields. He was in legitimate conversations which to unseat a generational quarterback prospect named trevor lawrence at the 101 like in august last year justin field that conversation was happening and what did justin fields do exactly to to minimize that not not very much in fact he beat trevor lawrence in the in the college football playoff and had a great season so I am I just let's zoom out here. There's more to this than just February to April 2021. They're both elite recruits, five-star recruits, you know, both in Georgia, actually. Um, so I that is those are the three reasons why I think Justin Fields is different than the rest of the Ohio State uh, quarterbacks. Mac Jones. Mac Jones, baby. <laughs> Like Lance, you know, I I was ready to mercilessly mock wherever Trey Lance went and wherever Mac Jones went if they went too early um, because I just, you know, the, the lack of experience and there's just kind of like, but it's kind of harder now to do. And this always happens to me every draft. Now that there's a football name attached to it, I have to also mock Kyle Shanahan. I have to also mock 
Bill Belichick here. And I'm not saying Bill Belichick's any expert talent evaluator, but it does make it a little bit harder. It does make it a little bit harder for me to say Mac Jones is the wrong pick. First of all, they didn't move up to get him. They just took him at the regular 15 spot. Uh, and they didn't trade back. So that's a good sign. Uh, yeah, he's not a great talent evaluator. Nobody says Belichick is doing that because he's had such a bad run. And and really, on honestly, Belichick's genius wasn't ever talent evaluation. They always say Patriots find these guys. Patriots find these guys in the draft. Not really at a higher rate than other teams. What they do do, and they built their dynasty on, is make sure they have two picks every time you have one. That's what they've done. <laughs> they've trade back, trade back, trade back. I got two picks. I got three picks. One of these guys will be good. They were the first to recognize that and the first to really hammer that home. That's what they did. They didn't become supermen of uh, ability to tell the future. Nobody can. Um, so anyway, my point is saying that I'm not saying that Bill Belichick is a great talent evaluator and therefore Mac Jones is great, but Kind of context kind of gives you some confidence here. Belichick is really close friends with Alabama coach Nick Saban, and they did have to invest the pick. You know, there's there's a clear and trusted connection between Saban and Belichick. There's a lot of tied players on the Pats. They're good friends, and the investment that's your money where your mouth is. The context around this makes me feel pretty good. Um, what doesn't make me feel good is the weapons. <laughs> in new England. This is not a best situation for Mac Jones. Um, he's going to have trouble. You know, it's, it's slightly better now and free agency. They got Hunter Henry, John o. Smith, Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne for some reason. Um, people will say, Hey, Oh, Mac Jones has actually got worse wide receivers in new England than he did in Alabama. And that's true technically, but really it's just Devonta Smith because, Devonta Smith was really the only receiver that played with Mac Jones the whole time. Ruggs and Judy left for the NFL. Waddle was hurt after six games. So for most of Mac Jones's career, college career, it was just Devonta Smith, not the four Alabama receivers that will go down in history as the elite um, group of, uh, of receivers in college football history. I, I predict at least, um, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Mac Jones will have the benefit of learning the system. I'm sure Newton will start week one. Uh, he'll be there for, for the year. Um, but Mac Jones will play. They will all play. All five of these quarterbacks, they're going to play. They're going to play. I know. So begins the season of, of, of saying, oh, well, not so fast. You know, Newton is a starter. Dalton will start over fields or Jimmy Garoppolo will start over Trey Lance, you know, while this guy learns and stuff like that. The Alex Smith role. Oh, they're going to play the Alex Smith role, you see. Ah, you see, the Alex Smith role will be here. That's because, you know why they say Alex Smith role every time? It's because it's the only example. It's the only example, unless you go back to the early 2000s, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, of a top 15 quarterback actually sitting all season. Because they said about Baker, they said about Sean Watson, said about Daniel Jones, said about Trubisky, about Jake Locker, Blake Bortles, Josh Rosen, Tua, 
all those guys, they said they were going to sit for the year and they didn't. Those guys played more than half of their rookie season. And most of the guys played their whole rookie season. RG3, Luck, Winston, Mariota, Wentz, Goff, Darnold, Allen, Murray, Burrow, Herbert. They all played all year long. There's only one guy, one top half of the first round quarterback in this whole decade who didn't play more than half of the season, more than eight games. And that's Pat Mahomes. And that's because of Alex Smith. And it's not a decision that they made. I mean, they say that they did, but you, I mean, come on, let's see through some things here. People put your tinfoil hats on. Alex Smith role is not play while this guy learns the Alex Smith role is, Hey, you're going to need to play the best football of your entire career. We're talking top five quarterback level. You need to start playing like Drew Brees or you will be benched because you know what? That's what Alex Smith did in 2017. He started playing so good. He was legitimately good that year with, with Hill and Kelsey and that, and that offense, the Alex Smith role is, play the best football of your career, become a top five quarterback all of a sudden, and therefore the rookie quarterback will sit and learn. That's the Alex Smith role. If Dalton or Newton or Jimmy G can do that, then Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, one of them, we won't see them. Um, but otherwise we will. We absolutely will. All right. I need to go quickly here uh, through... The other major picks that I kind of wanted to talk about, um, I really wanted to talk about, not just kind of, uh, Kyle Pitts. I want to talk about Kyle Pitts, the fourth overall pick to Atlanta. I love this. I love this for the present. <laughs> and yeah, you know, people, we always look at the draft and we, we always think 10 years, 10 years or, you know, 15 years. This is really a two-year pick. Matt Ryan's contract has so much dead cap for 2021 and 2022 that it, it won't make sense to get rid of Matt Ryan in this time. And it won't make sense to, to have a quarterback sit behind him in this time because the real advantage in the NFL right now, and another reason why these rookie quarterbacks won't sit, the real advantage is when you have a good quarterback on a rookie deal. That's, that's a way to win the Super Bowl. And, and we've seen that win Super Bowls over the course of the decade. Two years. Two years of Matt Ryan at least. We, we got it. You know what's an eternity in the NFL? Two years. Two years is so long. 24 months ago, we loved Goff. We loved Carson Wentz. We thought they were good quarterbacks. Le'Veon Bell was a good running back. Todd Gurley was a good running back. Antonio Brown was a great receiver. Odell Beckham was a great receiver. This is two years ago. Lamar Jackson was a huge concern. Can he do it? Jacoby Brissett, Marcus Mariota, Josh Rosen. We had hope for them. Opening day. These things sound like so long ago. Two, they were two years ago. Two years ago. This window is a chance for Atlanta. And Kyle Pitts is kind of the perfect way for Julio Jones to age gracefully. That is something I'm really interested in. I'm going to really be following that this year. And we'll take talk about it at the Atlanta preview. Um, we could do a whole podcast on Julio Jones being one of the greatest receivers of all time. And maybe I will, but he is winding down and he would love to take a little bit more in the slot, maybe move around a little bit more while Ridley and Pitts do some heavy lifting. Matt Ryan can do this. It's nice. It's in the dome. Julio can kind of pivot downshift. 
Pitts and Ridley can go up, this offense is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome because I firmly believe Kyle Pitts, we're calling him a tight end. He's really just a weapon. He's a weapon. Uh, He's everything that is advertised because when they put up those highlight reels, usually I'm like, okay, here come the hand selected cream of the crop, yada, yada. But my eyeballs just pop out of my dang brain when I see Kyle Pitts. I mean, I remember watching him in Florida. I remember just thinking how fast and strong and sturdy. And I remember at the time thinking he should go into the draft as a wide receiver because he does look kind of small for a tight end. I I don't think he actually is, but he, he I, maybe it was because he was moving so fluidly that then my mind did that. But I love this pick. I think it was great. Only injury can derail this guy. I think he's a he's a, he's a hit. He's going to be a hit. And they didn't. Atlanta didn't say, uh, "Oh well, our defense sucks, so let's skip Kyle Pitts." No, take what the football gods have given you. Figure your defense out later, or score two more touchdowns. Uh, great pick, number five. The Bengals, Jamar Chase, wide receiver Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow is paired with his LSU. Uh, brother Jamar Chase. Um, okay, let me firmly land on the side of wide receiver here. I know you know we knew that this this decision was coming. Jamar Chase versus Panay Sewell because uh, we kind of had the first four picks. Really had an idea that these two players were going to be the decision here, um, and the conversation has has been had a range of nuance. <laughs> And sometimes the nuance is just not enough. You know, is is the wide receiver group more important than the offensive line? No, the offensive line is more important than the wide receiver. But is the number five number five pick about picking an offensive line, or is it about picking a offensive lineman? Is it about picking a wide receiver core, or is it about picking a wide receiver? So I mean that. You can't just say like the offensive line is more important and therefore you need to go offensive line. You were picking a component of one of those two things. And the Bengals certainly could have used Panay Sewell. Anybody could have used Panay Sewell, but they could also really use Jamar Chase. I really like Jamar Chase. And I mean, you've seen the meme. The meme makes it seem stupid. Everyone's laughing at the Bengals saying, oh, stupid Bengals. They don't understand football. You know, they got, you got a panel with Burrow and he's throwing to anybody. And then he's Panay Sewell is blocking the defender. And the other panel is Burrow being sacked, throwing to chase while a blocker named anybody is letting the defender go right by him. And the point is that the offensive line, if you don't have the offensive line, the ball won't even get to your elite receiver. But here's the thing. There's more than one blocker. (laughs) There's more than one. And there's more than one receiver. The Bengals offensive line is the interior is the problem. The center and the guard positions are the real problem. The tackles are the highlight, not, not, not burning bright, 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 but they are the best part of it. Left tackle, Jonah Williams. He's their bright spot. Free agent, Riley reef from Minnesota. He is a a capable starter. So drafting Sewell would fix one of those guys, not not the big problems in the middle. He would fix one of those guys. And sure, you could kick somebody inside, but now you're losing. I mean, tackles moving to guard, switching sides. That's not easy. And that's certainly no guarantee. That's risky stuff. So Sewell would be replacing one of the spots that you already have. So it's not solving the offensive line. Putting Jonah Williams over to right tackle and Riley Reef into guard and Penay Sewell, like you that's hard. That's hard to do. It's hard to make tackles play guard and all this stuff. 
It's uh, my point is it's not an egregious need. If the Bengals had nobody playing left tackle, then we could talk about this being really questionable because Burrow has been hurt. They have nothing and they had a, had a chance for an elite guy, but I just, I need to push back against it because they do have a left tackle and, and somebody who they should still give a chance. Jonah Williams in his second year. Cause he got hurt his rookie season. So on the other side of this is Jamar chase is just elite. He's a heck of a wide receiver. I, I don't think of him the same way as I do Corey Davis or John Ross, uh, two guys who have been two wide receivers who have been drafted really high single digits in the past years. And the reason is because we saw Jamar chase coming again, the zoom out philosophy, Jamar chase has been a number one or really not number one, but well, number one wide receiver prospect a great prospect for a long time. We've been seeing it coming. Meanwhile, John Ross and Corey Davis came out of nowhere during the draft season, during the draft season where we all spin ourselves in circles. That's I, that's why I have a little bit more faith in, in Jamar chase. Um, and the Bengals receivers are really good. Now T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, you know, good wide receivers help the O line too. Cause they draw defensive attention. It's all connected. It's all connected. My point is, and it's a long point, And I could have just said it this way. I don't think the Bengals made an egregious move here, skipping the offensive line. I think that they did at least a justifiably good thing. Jalen Waddle, Miami, next pick, six. That was a surprise at six. Uh, God, the NFL loves speed. (laughs) Speaking of John Ross, um, it's amazing to me that Waddle goes over Smith just as Ruggs went over Judy. These four Alabama receivers that this will be part of the legacy, but it's not quite the same. You know, Waddle is better than Ruggs, and Smith is arguably uh, less suited for the NFL than Judy. So they are closer together, at least. So it's not crazy. And I remember last year, Ruggs, the big takeoff of Henry Ruggs and, and, and the whole draft community was on this was that he was the wide receiver four on his college team, you know, and that was concerning. He ran a four, two, but he was the wide receiver four. one of those three was Jalen Waddle. <laughs> I mean, so one of those guys above him was Jalen Waddle. So I think that this will be a good pick. It's interesting that he pairs back up with Tua, just like chase with burrow. Does it matter? I don't know. I mean, Justin Jefferson never met Kirk Cousins. You know, uh, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley never met Matt Ryan. AJ Brown never met Ryan Tannehill. So I, I don't know that it really matters to to, to, to success. But it is interesting uh, and it is fun. Um, I've got a lot to say about Miami's offense, um, but I'm kind of running out of time. I guess I'll just sum it up this way: two. I'm giving to a, a clean slate <laughs> for 2021. He was hurt. He was coming back from injury, and it wasn't the the narrative that Tua was not aggressive, but Fitzpatrick was, is not not what I saw. I saw them both not being aggressive. I saw Miami just not being aggressive in general. So they get Waddle, they get this speed, they get Fuller, they got speed. They're going to be more aggressive this year. Um, so I think there's going to be some interesting stuff. Can Tua do it? He's set up to do it. He's set up to do it, and that's going to be really, really exciting. Um, I kind of think Miami was hoping for pits or chase though, right? You know, they traded out of three back to 12 up to six within minutes. Uh, the thinking was likely we'll get pits or chase. They probably thought a quarterback would go at four, um, either Atlanta or a trade 
uh, that Atlanta would trade out. So I, I got to think that they were probably like, dang, but you know, them's the breaks. Okay, I want to I want to skip to Devonta Smith here since we're since we're talking Alabama receivers and we're talking Alabama quarterbacks. Devonta Smith, number ten to the Eagles. I liked Devonta Smith. I have questions about Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, because before there was Mac Jones, before there was Tua. Boy, this is like an Alabama podcast here. Roll Tide. Uh, before there was Mac Jones, before there was Tua, there was Jalen Hurts. And Jones and Tua benefited from these great systems and these great receivers. But you know who had that system and receiver and didn't put up any numbers? It was Jalen Hurts. I mean, I 2017, maybe it's too far back to remember. But Calvin Ridley, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, they were on the team. Jalen Hurts threw for 120 yards in the college football playoff. And then, uh, and then threw for 21 yards in the first half of the college football championship, 21 yards and Ridley rugs, Judy, Devonta Smith. They were on the field. They were on the field for that. Hertz got benched. Tua came in. Then Tua threw for 166 yards and three touchdowns and a game winner. We all remember the game winner to Devonta Smith. So now what does that mean for the NFL? I don't know, but I do want to say that Devonta Smith is going to the guy who got benched, <laughs> not the, not going to Miami to the guy who threw him the game winning touchdown. They're not going to his quarterback. He's going to the quarterback that failed, the quarterback that got benched, the quarterback that couldn't put up any numbers, the quarterback that once Jalen Hurts left Alabama ever since then, they've been an elite, elite passing attack. <laughs> I don't know. I am a Jalen Hurts hater. I'm sorry. I got way more to say about that, about his Oklahoma time, his 2020 Eagles games, but we got to move on to Devonta Smith. So Smith, the whole thing, the whole thing, this whole draft season has been about his weight. I think he'll be fine. You know, uh, it's not a one-to-one, you know, not everybody is built the same. You can tell his body is unique. Just look at those arms. You can tell that there's a difference here. And the reason it feels so bad and why it worries so much so people is it felt linear. It felt linear like he was losing weight as we kept talking because at first he was 180 and then he said he was 170 and then he weighed in at 166 and we got to put a bunch of articles and podcasts at each one of those weight marker posts. So it felt like something that was happening, progressing down, but not really. Not really. He he weighed what he weighed when he played, you know. So and it didn't affect him. It didn't affect. He didn't have trouble getting off press. Didn't hinder him. If anything, doesn't that say something really good? The fact that he was able to do this when most guys with this weight can't do it, he did it. He's in the SEC. It's not like he's playing in Division Two over here. I think this is a great pick for the Eagles. I'm really excited about not just Devonta Smith, but also this is perfect for Jalen Rager, who they took in the first round last year. He's a better wide receiver too, and is going to benefit majorly. I'm excited about this. I just don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy who's going to gonna, gonna uh, uh, reap the rewards uh, for this. We will close it out as we should close everything out with an offensive lineman. Panay Sewell went seven to the lions. Maybe the actual pick of the draft. We've talked a lot about quarterbacks. We've talked a lot about Alabama, but the actual pick of this draft in NFL history, maybe Panay Sewell to the Detroit lions. 
I think that this was legitimately a 101 pick that they got at 107. And it makes sense. I'm not saying the other six teams screwed up royally. They just had quarterback situations or they had to address quarterback situations. And I, I mean, you don't, you can't do that very many places. There's not very many places you can address uh, uh, that or improve your, your, uh, your weapons, you know, at that level. So you got to do it at the beginning of the draft, even if Panay Sewell is there. I understand it. But man, did they make out like bandits? And I have some faith in Dan Campbell. <laughs> Anybody who knows our previous podcasts, um, I'm always against landline football guys. Guys who, oh, we got to be tougher than the other team. We got we to gotta go there and we just got to win football. Do what we do, even though they know we're going to do it. It's like, you know what? The touchdown where you faked him out counts too. So why don't you try that? But I'm getting off track. I don't know that Dane Campbell is actually this tough, hard-nosed, you know, we we pound meat against meat and we win. We win at the, the block point. I don't know that he's really this guy who who doesn't think that you need to scheme. He was hired by Sean Payton, remember, and and and, and maintained. <laughs> you don't you don't stay in that job if you're stupid. I think Dan Campbell is is putting on a show, and it's an awesome show, and it's good for culture. But I think that there may be chops underneath that. I have hope for Detroit, not with Jared Goff. They're not going to be good this year, but I have hope. They got a ton of capital. They got a ton of uh, uh, good players on there. I think they, they need a ton more, but they do have a, a few good pieces. And they got they lost Stafford, but not for nothing. They got two first-round picks out of it, remember? So pretty cool. I'm for it. Panay Sewell, pick of the draft. So, all right. Thank you all. I will be back to do to pivot to fantasy football. We'll go to some forecasts on some of the rookies. We got tons of other receivers to talk about. Uh, Darius Tony to the Giants, Bateman to Baltimore, Elijah Moore to the Jets, Rondale Moore to the Falcons. We got running backs to talk about. Najee Harris to Detroit. Um, sorry, Najee Harris to Pittsburgh. Uh, Travis Etienne to Jacksonville. Javonta Williams to Denver. Trey Sermon to San Francisco. We're gonna break all that down. But for now, this has been the Muckleteo Fantasy Muckleteo Football Show. My name is Miles. Good night.